Episode 62 of the Winning Six podcast, the official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. This is our very special, you'll only catch it once a year, draft night edition. Joining me as usual, we have Jordan Tresky. I'm making his possibly triumphant, maybe not so triumphant, yet to be decided return. <laughs> We have managing editor Ty Windish. Welcome back to Winning Six, Ty. Thanks. I hope it's triumphant. That's a good way to start because I think that's a pretty, pretty succinct way of summing up most people's feelings on the book's pick tonight. Is we all hope Tom Maker is triumphant. Could tonight have panned out any differently than we thought it was going to? I don't know, maybe even six, seven hours ago? Yeah, I mean, they could have, like, traded up to five and then taken him. I don't know. We don't want to take him. Okay, okay, if they take him at five. (laughs) We don't want to take any chances. We needed the first overall pick for Thonmaker. I mean, you joke, but... What are your reactions to Thonmaker and everything involved in the whole process that led us to... Internet sensation. I mean, this this couldn't be a more 2016 pick. It literally could not have happened 20 years ago because there weren't YouTube mixtapes. Like, this dude got drafted off YouTube mixtapes. I don't know if there's ever been, like, a quicker person to go from not being in the draft to being the 10th overall pick. Like, when did he declare? I want to say it was, like, two months ago. Early April, maybe? It was, it was I'd say there was two or three games left in the book season. Oh, okay, I thought it was later than that, so it was a couple months ago, but still, it was like, he was supposed to be a top 2017 NBA draft pick, and then all of a sudden, like, I don't know how no one realized earlier that the rules clearly said he could get drafted, but they did, and he was like, oh, hey, let me make all my money now, and he declared for the draft, probably not thinking he'd be top 10 pick, considering, like, those things were kind of set. And, I mean, there were movers late, but it wasn't it wasn't like this. I mean, obviously the biggest was Deontay Davis falling. But, I mean, if I mean this might have been the biggest. Thon Maker was projected by a lot of people, us included largely, to be maybe bottom of the first at some teams is swinging for the fences or top of the second rounder. They took him at 10. I don't completely hate it. Um, if that's the only guy they really liked there and the trade-down options weren't great, which there's every chance they weren't because, like, one of the teams we talked about them trading down to was the Suns. I thought the Suns, they did a lot with their picks. They traded some to the Kings, and they had a good draft anyway. 
So, like, the Suns were busy. Like, the Suns were not going to trade up to the 10th pick. Like, they were already doing stuff. So I, I could definitely see that they probably didn't get the trade-down offers they wanted. Who knows what Boston was doing? I don't – they, they, Boston doesn't know what Boston was doing. So they probably didn't have the ability to trade down like they thought they might be able to. And they said, you know what? We want this guy. We trust this guy. He worked out for us twice in a day, and that's apparently the best thing that ever happened. So they pulled the trigger. I can't hate it that much. I don't know if I hate it at all. Uh, this will be a long answer, but I just want to set the scene for uh, how I, my day went. <laughs> I woke up. What was, you know, what was the establishing shot? It was uh, I was a uh, star wipe. Uh, as I wake <laughs> up, you know, I'm, you know, trying to cl- uncloud my vision. Did you, you, know, hey, did you wake up to um, our roundtable? Was that soon after you woke up? Because I was just thinking that was an early part of of my day. Was I sent off? an answer to Tim for our roundtable today, which is there for you all to see and possibly laugh at now, um, <laughs> where we, we discussed Tom Maker, and I was like, he makes no sense for the books. There's no D-League team. I'm not sure I'd take him in the second round, even if he was there without a D-League team, because that's how my day pretty much started, and then to be here now seems surreal. Mm. Um. No, I did not wake up to that. I actually, I can't remember when that was, but I woke up. You know, I was like, "Hey, draft day is finally here. It's exciting." It came up very suddenly for me, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'm gonna be fine with anything, except a few exceptions." I made it known on Twitter. Uh, I, you know, did the cornfield thing, all that stuff. And then as the day progressed, and I heard more bits of information, namely from Chad Ford. I became increasingly enraged, more angry, and just like, what is going on? This is, you know, this is this is not good. I was not in that in a good place. Then the pick happened. I was very shocked. Uh, I did not see this coming at all. Um, it just, I don't know. I was flabbergasted, as they say. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I don't. It was. I don't know. I literally, I audibly screamed in my home, and I w- there was no Come one around. On. I, I was like, no! Like, I did, like, a, a shrieking <laughs> of horror. Like, I saw something bloody, but nothing. How, how fast did happened. you come to terms with it? How fast did you come to terms ah! with it? Like, it didn't take me that long. Because that was me at first, too, and then, like, five minutes later, I was, like, watching highlights, and I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> Like, he won me over slowly but fast. I would probably say I sat there for, like, an hour just kind of... <laughs> oh, my sunk God. In my, sunk in my couch, and I was like, okay, this is that good. And then I was like, you know what? The more I hear from this guy, he's clearly a hard worker, all this, you know, positive traits that you want out of the player. Uh, you hope for the best. I'm not going to openly, you know, <laughs> actively... Uh, root against him from succeeding because that would just be, first of all, that would be unproductive and just waste so much time and energy to do something like that. Um, and he's on the Bucks. I want the Bucks to succeed. You want the best of players that they pick and all that stuff. Um, I have come to terms with it, but I still I think Adam has said this before, or will say it too, 
at that point, it just it felt like an incredible reach. Um, oh yeah. You know, that's where I get a little, you know, it's that's indefensible for me. But it's all about developing him, and from what we've seen from you know Giannis, Jabari, Milton, mate, you can. I would like to throw an Anderson in there, but some other people would probably object to that. But uh, it's there is a track record for them, and you know he clearly needs a lot of work. <laughs> we it's I don't know how I feel about the team's outlook for the season, but that's getting too far ahead of ourselves um, at this point. But I don't know. It makes it it's certainly going to be exciting. It's going to be really fascinating to watch what happens with him, especially like summer league and preseason, all that stuff. It's going to be an interesting wrinkle for this season. I think anyone who was following our tweets on the site's account, or if you go and check them now, you'll visually be able to see me come to terms <laughs> with it very gradually. Because so five stages. My, yeah, my, initial, stages my initial tweets were not so positive. Then I had to go and write about it. I'm not going to lie, that was a lot more difficult than any just news piece I've ever written because I wasn't able to get my head together. Um, then when all that was done, I went, okay, let's let's take it for what it is. The first thing I've said it before, and Jordan alluded to it slightly there, and I'll say it again. At the end of the day, we can want whoever we want, but these are the professionals. They'll get decisions wrong. They have done in the past. They will do again. Maker might be one of them. But if they're convinced he's the right guy, he's the guy they wanted on their roster out of this year's draft, they've got to take him. And we've all got to be happy that they took the guy they believed in. There'd be no point in hearing six months down the line if Tom Maker explodes onto the scene the NBA. Oh, well, the books really liked Tom Maker and they nearly took him. There's, there's enough of those stories in books history without adding another. So first and foremost, if he's the guy they have most faith in, You've got to say, okay, go and take him. The other interesting parts of it, they do for me come down to his character quite a lot. And it's so different to a lot of the other guys we were talking about, talking about that the books were rumored to be looking at, which turns out I don't think anyone had any idea who the books were looking at. But, <laughs> you know. If you look at a guy like Deontay Davis, sure there's concerns with him in a physical sense and whether he'd be able to play at the center, if his shot's good enough to play the four. But the biggest concern for me was always this thing over his work ethic. And Jordan will verify, I messaged him about it earlier when I saw Jason Kidd's press conference before the draft started. Purity, this was Jason Kidd's extension press conference. Maybe we'll talk about it later because there were some interesting things said in there. But Kidd was asked about what he'd like to see in terms of the draft option. And aside from his usual things that he says, like that he wants a basketball player and someone that can wear a jersey and things like that, he made it very, very clear he wanted someone who was going to put in work. And when I heard that straight away, I said, this isn't Deontay Davis. 
this is the the major sort of red flag that's come against him everywhere is he doesn't know quite how to put in the work necessary and when you're also super raw that's not necessarily a good combination and likely had something to do with him falling out of the first round so that was one thing that jumped out to me straight away even guys like Wade Baldwin Wade Baldwin's on the other end of the scale and in the interviews we've seen I mean there's the interview he did on the on the vertical live show I know he did one with NBA TV I haven't seen that yet either but he seems pretty sort of even keel um, a nice sort of calm level demeanor not taking himself too seriously he's enjoying the moment and he seems ultra focused already and John Hammond mentioned that in his press conference after the pick they feel like he's someone who'll mesh in with the guys they have already. Oh, you're talking about Fan? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Wade Baldwin. I was like, why are you talking no, about no, Wade Baldwin for no, so I often? I got you. I got pay you. Pay attention, Ty. I'm not used to this podcast. I'm, I've been out of the game too long. <laughs> so, I just I feel like there's a lot to like in there in that sense. His game, to get into what Tom Maker's basketball game is, is almost irrelevant at this point because people could say he can shoot three-pointers. They could say he can handle the ball like a point guard. He's done all of this in high school in Canada. I mean, I could probably do that in high school in Ireland. <laughs> but I don't know if my mixtapes would be quite as good as Tom Maker's, but... You know what I mean? That can you can just sort of there's an easy way to build up a reputation out of nothing in that sense. And I'm not saying obviously from to get to this point for the books to say we're gonna use a tenth overall pick on him. He does have plenty of skill. But seeing that in an NBA setting is gonna be interesting. I can't remember if it was on the vertical uh, live show or on ESPN's broadcast because I basically had each of them playing one in each ear. But someone made a comment of how Tom Aker had done a lot of workouts with Scalabissier. And Scalabissier had torn him to shreds. It was so easy for him every single time. There was about the Nike hoops of it too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, could be it. matched up there, I think, is where it was. Maybe that's... I saw Sam Vecini tweeted about that too. And considering how like slight... Lebissier is and how many concerns there's over him, that in itself is interesting. But with Maker, there's just they just gotta let him figure it all out and take their time with it. Yeah, I mean and and they know how to do it. Like John Hammond said this in his press conference, like we have the blueprint. Like we've done this before. So that makes me think it's going to be very much like how Giannis came up. And that, and I'm, I'm not making the comparison in players, but in development paths, where they're just gonna sort of be like, "All right, play, but don't do too much. Like, don't try to do everything." I don't, I don't think it's gonna be his three-point shot. I feel like they're not gonna restrict that because I know they've talked about that already that he was impressive shooting the ball. But maybe like, you won't see him operate in the post much right away, or vice versa. But they'll probably try to bring him up, sort of. Maybe not letting him try to do everything, but they they have experience in sort of refining these raw guys. Really, the way Hammond seemed completely sold on Maker was probably the turning point for me. Like I, I trust John Hammond, 
like he just he spoke very forcefully about really liking Thon Maker. Like he was the guy. And I was like, all right, you sold me. You know what you're doing. You have the Giannis track record. And again, I'm not comparing them, but it's developing a raw player into something is what the Bucks and Hammond clearly know how to do. No, we'll get on to, I want to talk about the comparing bit later. I think it's important that right at day one we sort of get that out of the way. I was not comparing. No, I know you weren't. But I noticed that too with Hammond, but I felt slightly different. I felt a little bit concerned that maybe, and look, the biggest success at the moment, what looks like the biggest success of John Hammond's executive career is Giannis. And he he does, he seems completely sold on Tom Maker. There was no doubt that that was his guy, and he feels like he can be the player the books need. He can help lead them to championships. But it is that sort of... Has he sort of been bitten by the bug and he's going back? He's just sort of trying to reproduce that that moment, what was the best moment of his career. That's the only concern I'd have on that one. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly that didn't feel like it was the case in 2014. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to just really compare because both of them had such good collegiate careers, but I feel like... Embiid would have been the rawer out of him and Jabari Parker. I mean, Jabari was already, like, he was, it was such a weird prospect because everybody sort of knew, like, what he was going to do. Like, he was going to be, uh, I think the most used comparison was, like, a Paul Pierce-esque forward. Not really a sniper, but he could score inside. He's got mid-range game. It, he wasn't, like, this crazy project player where no one knew what he was about. Like, he was very... Like, just that's what he was, whereas Embiid is sort of like, he's a center, he's hurt, like, no one knows what he's going to be, but his potential is crazy. I feel like Embiid would have been the more, I, don't, I guess, Giannis-esque pick than Parker would be. And, I mean, those obviously Parker and the Bucks fit great. He wanted to go there, all that. And even last year, I mean, I don't know if Rashad Vaughn was the most, you know, raw, full of potential player either. He was sort of going to be a shooter, Hasn't been that yet. Hopefully will be that soon. But again, it wasn't like, you know, they didn't draft Rashad Vaughn and it was like, well, this guy could do anything. Like, no, he's probably going to be a shooter, hopefully a good one. So I don't know if I don't, I don't know if he's caught up in that. I'm hoping he just knows how to recognize it. Um, but who knows? I mean, he did take English, which is sort of that same thing. But I mean, in I the mean, second I mean, round. I mean, English was a second rounder. So. Yeah, in the second round, you might as well. Like, why not? But I don't know. But the, it's interesting to bring this into that, and even when you mention Embiid, because, look, the books make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> we all know that. They've made plenty of mistakes drafting. <laughs> but one one risk they don't take, and they're fond of taking risks, they don't take risks on health. It's, it's not something they do very often. Even when you look at Vaughn, was obviously he missed most of the season through injury, but health was never a concern for him with the books this year. And even on, I'm sure both of you seen a lot of the the videos they put up on books.com on like physical testing and Hammond was talking about that whole side of the process and he he sort of noted he said that's a really influential thing he says I'll be honest that can sway us one way or another and in that sense maybe that's why a guy like Embiid doesn't go that's that's a debate I suppose for another day. I want to just include or add something onto the whole Giannis comparison because I think you can compare them as a player, but what's 
what stands out to me as the biggest factor of why I don't think it doesn't make or it doesn't you know uh, equal to me is the situation of it all. When Giannis was selected, that was like a not a shot in the dark. That was a very long term future type pick, and it was at a point where the Bucks literally they were coming off of you know a season where. You weren't sure where if Brandon Jones was going to stay. Monte Ellis looked like he was. I mean, he checked out the playoffs by the end of the season. Larry Sanders, there are point, there are signs pointing that he would be like a franchise player. That obviously, that she got his contract, and we know how that ended. Uh, literally, their whole team. It was not. You didn't know who was going to be staying, what who was going to be going, all this stuff, and that's that afforded them to take a, a risk like Giannis, and obviously he fell them too. Um, where this pick is much different, there's more defined players. There's obviously, we talked about the, the core three, uh, but there's still, I mean, you still already have younger players that maybe you want to try to salvage. Maybe, obviously, we'll get into this later, but, you know, Kid talked a lot about Mike Carter-Williams and how he still views him as a, uh, you know, part of the team's, you know, uh, Foundation, whether that's his, you know, building up his value on the league, who knows? But that's where I think the comparison to Giannis and Thon falls off for me because just the situation was totally different when the Bucks took Giannis. Yeah, I, I covered that in my grades piece too, where it's it's going to be harder for Thon to develop because like. Like, exactly what you said. I mean, when Giannis got drafted, the team was a, a dumpster fire. Like, it was terrible. I mean, they weren't supposed to be that bad in his first year, but they were. And when you're on a team that projects like it's going to win 15 games over an 82-game season, like, there's no pressure, you know, for this rookie from Greece. It's like it doesn't, you know, it, no, no one was looking at Giannis saying, like, you have to be part of a winning team next season. It was like, oh, well, we suck again. We're Bucks fans. We're used to this. Like it's all good. And then when he did develop, it was more like, oh, this is such an un like such a pleasant surprise. Like this worked out. When really, like there weren't that many expectations on him. Thon's coming into it where people are, and it, it certainly helps now that there is a, a core of three players, at least three, who are very good. I think it would be worse for him to go to, like, I don't know if he ended up in Brooklyn somehow with that first-round pick they got today. Like, that would be worse, I think, because in Brooklyn they'd be like, no, you're the guy. Like, you have to be, make us good again. Here, he doesn't have that pressure, but he does have the pressure of being on a team that's supposed to be good. And as we saw last year for the Bucks, that can be damaging in a way because it hurts more when you're not good. Fans are more angry when you're not good. Like, you feel worse when you're not good and you're supposed to be good. Uh, so that's going to be tough for him. The one thing I will say about Don Giannis comparisons is I think there's the only one that's worth talking about is one I sort of alluded to before, and that's just where they as players start. Like they're both raw, long players with a lot of potential. I don't think you can compare like like there's no look at there's no use in looking at where Giannis is now in relation to Thon for any reason. Like you can't look at where they're going to go or where one of them has gone, any of that. And obviously the situations are very different. But just for them personally, they're starting at around the same place, but you cannot expect them to finish at the same place, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and this is really, really, really important. So 
Oh, if anyone listening pays attention to this and gives it some thought, I hope it sort of it just occurs to the fan base because it's going to be a pretty big deal. I don't want to have to listen to this all season long, but I also think it's important that Tom Maker doesn't have to listen to it either. As Ty alluded to there, with a team that has like a big tree and they have a core group of guys in place, so you know what it's going to be. This sort of pick normally can just sort of rest in the background. The guy can take his time to develop however long that is. It doesn't matter because those other three guys are out there taking care of business. He could sort of wait in the wings. That's how it should be. The problem is one of those three guys and the leader of them came from that sort of similar starting point as Yanis, as you said, Ty, and he was a virtual unknown, as John Hammond, John Hammond said it himself in his press conference. He said, look, it was very similar to Yanis as in when we drafted Yanis, we had very little to go on in terms of footage. There wasn't a lot of tape on, on Ton either. And that sort of base point, it just, it's, I understand the association, but it's dangerous. Yanis could be a generational player at this point. You can't just think because there's a vaguely similar storyline. It was sort of a surprising pick, a guy who was unheralded and little known, and here we are. It just doesn't work like that. And the worst thing possible that can happen for Maker is if the books are playing well, which we hope they will and they should do with an improving group of, of young players and hopefully some nice free agent additions, but if they're playing well and he comes in and he struggles and then sort of you go on these bad runs and then you drop a few games here and there and part of it can be a big run. We saw this in a bad season when Vaughn had bad games. The pressure can sort of get turned and it's like this guy's a this guy's a bust, whatever. That just can't happen. If Bucks fans want to make her to have a chance to be whatever his YouTube video suggests he can be, they need to back off and give him space and this is about winning championships for years and years. So you know what? If it's three years from now before Maker's ready, that's fine. Because one thing, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but what really hit home for me, I feel this is a very, very conscious decision not to draft a starting point guard or a starting center at this point. Personally, I believe Maker will become a center and... Maybe down the line, that's his future with the books. If they see he can bulk up, if he can then space the floor even better, if he's just that sort of versatile guy who can play the five with his height, that would be perfect. But at the moment, they've talked about the need for veterans. I'm convinced that we are going to see them go out and spend whatever it takes them in terms of what's available to them to get a veteran point guard and a veteran center next week. Well, maybe not a maybe not a veteran point guard, but a high character point guard. I think we can call that point guard a veteran at this stage. I mean, what's is it four years? That's basically a veteran now. Yeah. You talking about NBA champion point yeah. guard? NBA champion point guard matches up with over. I this don't hate that idea. This is where everybody way. looks at the picture where he's pointing to the to the camera. I, I, I would not hate that if they got him for a good deal at all. Everyone like, hates I, it. I don't. Like, any time we describe or anyone else describes 
what the book should be looking for he's from perfect. the point guard beside Giannis. He's, he's exactly absolutely what he perfect. Like he literally is coming from the same situation where he plays point guard, but he doesn't run the offense. And yes, he had an abysmal finals, but he shot like 40% from three in the regular season. And he's he knows how to be a point guard without running the offense. Like Matthew Dellavedova is not going to be in the media. Like this sucks. I want the ball in my hands. Like he's used to that. It's not a problem for him. He's good at sort of acting like a shooting guard, like a JJ Redick kind of guy on offense, more than you know Chris Paul actually running the offense and then just playing good defense. I mean, ten million a year is too much. I wouldn't do that. That's crazy. But like for a reasonable deal, I'd be very interested in Matthew Delvadova. I hate Delvadova. You know this. We talked about this before. As I a hate person. Yeah, As I, a person. As a person, I'm sure he's a pretty nice person. As a player, oh, yeah, he loves roller coasters. When, when he's not on your team, you know this. This goes back to early days of the podcast where I used to continuously bring up the fact that he rolled on Horford's knee and everything. Oh yeah. Down there. But like when that, he's on your team, well, exactly. That that gets sort of built into you from watching him, and on the other end of the scale, that is the greatest joy you can have as a fan when you'd have that guy in your team, and everybody else hates him. Everyone hates him. Rooting Except, for Draymond Green was so much fun for that reason. I mean, that's that's why Warriors fans like just get so passionate, and so sort of fervent about their love for Draymond Green. That's well, that's the best thing about being a sports fan is when you can have a guy like that who couldn't be more of a villain except he's yours, so you embrace him. <laughs> and that's what the books might well do. Yeah, Evan Turner now? <laughs> Different kind of villain. Different oh. kind of villain. We'll get back to maybe Delvadova specifically a little bit later, but are both of you guys seeing that as well? Like, I feel not drafting... Okay, like Poodle was gone, but not going the route of taking the big man or taking the point guard. Maybe we all made the mistake of thinking the books had an interest in finding a guy like that who was necessarily going to be a starter at those positions. They were taking the really high upside pick because if that pans out, then, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And in the meantime, they're going to go and find guys who will make the team better now as well. I mean, I'm still not convinced that they would have gone with Thon if if Poodle was on the board. Like, especially from what uh, Javoni said after they were talking about the pick, and I tweeted this, but I don't remember it verbatim, but he said something along the lines of, we knew the Bucks were looking at some big men. Uh, clearly they ended up going with Thon. And it's like, well, okay. That was Shams, some... wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that was Shams. You're right. Javoni was gone by that point. Thank God they got him off TV. He was having a rough first time on TV. It wasn't it wasn't real TV, but it might as well have been. Like I know to, a lot of people. Were to be watching. fair, if if my sort of living was made out of my mock draft website, and my mock draft was looking the way Gavoni's was tonight, I would be <laughs> sweating bullets on TV as well. I would not be <laughs> very fair. comfortable standing there going. There was one point. Uh, I think it might have been at, at around pick eight. Jordan and I were talking, and I said to Jordan. At that stage, Maker had just gone to 10 on Draft Express. He had, he had updated it midway through the draft and put Maker at 10. I don't even know what compelled me to check, but I did. And there I saw Tom Maker at 10. So I go to Jordan. He's got Tom Maker at 10. Chad Ford already had Maker at 10. 
I'm like, it's happening. Jordan goes, no, they were both wrong last year. <laughs> I, I then had a look. That's my denial. <laughs> I then had a look, and I think we were at about the eighth pick at that stage. And outside of the top two, which I mean, literally anybody, De- Deontay Davis, someone with that level of personality and IQ could have guessed. <laughs> I mean, he had no one right. No one. I had more people writing my mock draft to that point than Draft Express had. Congratulations. Which, thank you. Which just shows you how <laughs> crazy tonight's draft was. That's not a reflection. John I got, Gavone, I got one, draft two Express. Four. I got one, two, and four. But uh, anyway. Which was six? Buddy? Buddy? I might have gotten six. I don't think so, though. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, that they were looking for a big man. Uh, Like, that big man could have been Podal, too. Like, Don could have been second. Like, we'll never find out. That's not something they'll ever actually say, because they have no reason to. I can't remember remember who, but someone said Marquise Chris was top of the big board. Well, Chris could have been up there too. That's another big guy that could have liked, especially because he can shoot, and we know how the Bucks feel about shooting now. So, I mean, I think it's a little naive to assume that they really were like, we're taking Thon no matter who falls to us. But it's totally the right thing to make it feel like. Like, you don't want to bring this guy in and shake up his confidence right away. Like, could you imagine if at the press conference, John Hammond was like, yeah, well, we had four guys we wanted that. 10, and one of them was left, so we got Thon. Like, no, of course they're going to be like, we love this guy all along. He might not have been the target all along. Like, I I would not be surprised if this happened again, and who was it, the Raptors, if they had taken Deonta Davis and Poodles there, if the Bucks take Poodle. Like, I know they really liked him, too, from uh, Charles Gardner's piece on his individual workout. They, they were raving about him. So, like, that wouldn't have shocked me if they did take that guy. But I do see what you're saying in that I don't think they were looking to definitely not fill both point guard and center because we know they want to make deals in free agency. That's why they sold the 38th pick to not take up the roster spot. Uh, yeah, I just yeah. think they're they're really focused on, like, this this year they might actually, the things they're saying aren't just lip service. They're going to follow through on the things they're saying. So when they say we need veterans, they're actually going to try and get veterans. When they say they need shooting and defense, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon gives them both of them, so that's maybe evidence that they're going to follow through on some of that. I just, I think Delvadova could be one guy a point guard. I fully expect within the next few days we hear a center name. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think it's gonna come, it's gonna come along pretty quick. We'll hear mention of someone. Let's move on from Maker to Malcolm Brogdon. Phenomenal pick. I really like it. I, I think it's great. Um. He was probably my second choice for a second rounder throughout most of it, if not second, third. Um, I, I always had him sort of in the mix. I did think they would probably stash a guy if they were going to use the two picks, but in making the pick, it was probably only on a Waku that I would have had ahead of him. Where we talked about this with a lot of prospects, we talked about this with even some guys in the first round who we thought they might have gone for, where other teams might have been a little bit scared by his age. I mean, Brogdon's 23, but I'm pretty sure he's touching on 24. It's not too far away from his 24th birthday. He's one of the oldest guys. I want to say the fourth oldest player in the class. For a lot of teams, that will be a concern. I mean... This would also be the time to... Oh, that's not... We'll, we'll get to that later. There's mailbag questions about that. It might be the fifth oldest oh, player if some 
reports are to be believed. Um, but you're making me lose my train of thought now. Um, Brogdon, it's not an issue as age for the books. The books need some of that. They need someone. Okay, it's been at college, but it's been at a really top-class program in College of Virginia. And he's played four years of basketball. That's more than a lot of the guys. Like, Yanis didn't go to college. That's like that's basically what Yanis is looking at. So, what a bomb. Yeah, those guys who don't go to college. <laughs> in terms of... Do, are you confident that he can be that sort of plug-and-play guy? I feel he can, even as a second-rounder, break into the rotation and get some minutes, at least with the shape of the roster at present. Does that seem realistic? I would think so. Um, obviously, <laughs> but besides Middleton, they obviously have Vaughn, but how? I, I'm interested in how they approach... I don't think they're going to throw him in the fire like they did it by the end of the season. Because a lot of the injuries by that point you know, forced their hand to do that. But I think they're going to be much more careful with him. Maybe he goes to the D-League. I don't know. But I think You're talking about Vaughn or Brogdon? Vaughn. Vaughn, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense, yeah. Um, Brogdon, you know, his, being a two-way player, uh, you know, shooting defense, all that stuff, being a hopeful 3MD type of guy, I think that will, for a team like the Bucks that needs both of those things, I think that's going to give him playing time right away. I don't know how much, but I think they'll give him, I don't think they're going to, I don't think it would be, you know, watch, I don't think he would have a short leash, I would say. Um, I think they're going to be, they're going to play and play with him, like you said. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I covered a lot of this in my grades piece on Brogdon, where I went from sort of liking the pick, because I didn't know a ton about him, but like I knew his name, and I knew he was an older player who, who could ball, and that's what I like to see, especially in the second round. The usually very, I mean, composed is obvious for a broadcaster, but usually not, not too outspoken Jim Paschke was very, very vocal about how much he liked Malcolm Brogdon said Jason Kidd told Brogdon he'd fit in perfectly on the Bucks at a workout or at the combine. Said that uh, Paschke thought he would be a team leader. The most important thing, though, I took away from he had a whole series of tweets about this. Most important thing is that Paschke noted he could guard point guards. Don't sleep on that for how important Brogdon could be to the Bucks. Um, mm -hmm. I could certainly see him gobbling up all of Rashad Vaughn's minutes before the season even starts, if that's the case because Rashad Vaughn can't really guard anybody. If Brogdon could guard shooting guards at a high enough level for a rookie, that's good enough. But if he can guard point guards, it makes him exceedingly valuable as a slot in, a bench. I don't want to say starter for a second-round pick, because that just sounds ridiculous. But as a bench guy to come in and play with Giannis and assume the one at times in a relief situation if the Bucks don't end up with a lot of point guards that they really like next year. If he can shoot the ball, which he can, he shot 39% in college, and guard opposing point guards, then he ends up as a very good fit with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Jim Paschke was, or Jason Kidd was right in saying that. I mean, that sounds like one of those ideal wing players. And it's interesting you mentioned the combine. Brogdon didn't come in for a workout at all in Milwaukee. Whether they 
caught him somewhere along the way in a group workout? That, that might be a different question. I want to say he was on the first day of interviews at the Combine. And sounds right. it's, it's unsurprising that he would be an impressive interview. He's noted within that Cavaliers team he's a part of for being like the consummate professional, a great leader. He has a master's in public policy now, something that he skipped basically. He, he didn't enter last year's draft class in order to complete his master's. I mean, he's a guy who clearly has his head screwed on and I'm not sure how many of those the books have had in a long, yeah. long time. I was, like, you know, I was starting matters. I don't mean to cut you off, but I was thinking of that when you were talking about Thon's work ethic too and how hard he works. Does this draft sort of feel like maybe a reaction to how last year's first round pick went? I mean, I don't want to question Rashad Vaughn's work ethic. Like I've heard good things. I don't have any inside info to the contrary. But he's much more of a sort of goofy, laid back guy. Whereas it feels like these two, I mean, Thon has been, he said fun stuff, but like from the, the, this Hammond story about him working out twice in one day and all this, like he clearly is very driven. I mean, he's from Sudan. He's, uh, I've read that he was a refugee. I haven't researched that, but even if he's not, I mean, you're from Sudan. Yeah, he's from, he, he escaped South Sudan basically, and that's what it was at the age of six. Yeah. It was yeah, like so, basically a war zone. Yeah, so clearly. He's he's gonna work hard, and that's the only impression that everyone's gotten from him, basically unilaterally, is that you know even people who aren't big fans say yeah, but he will work hard. Brogdon too, like you said, the consummate professional. It almost feels like the Bucks learned last year, like look, we need a a more, not not necessarily serious, but maybe serious is the right word, presence around here, and these two picks certainly played toward that. I wouldn't say necessarily for the draft. I mean, you could be totally right about that. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but, I, I mean, if you remember, like, Jabari's comments after the season ended and his, him saying, you know, I don't know about who all the other guys on here, but I'm going to work as hard as I can. That, to me, said something about maybe – I mean, you could, you know, point fingers at whoever. Maybe it was Monroe bringing Copeland. Anybody. Anybody that they brought in or, you know, addition by subtraction or whatever. I think that is maybe the bigger takeaway with with the guys that they selected tonight. Yeah, I, I sorry, just real quick. I agree with you. I, I think saying that just a reaction to just the draft was like miss miss saying it on my part. Basically to just how last year went is, is a better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, but I think, and I, I have a point there, but I think it's it's bigger than that, though, because Jordan's right in mentioning Jabari's reaction, and we can all take a guess. I think, and um, there was a, a consensus, not spoken about, but a consensus of some candidates that Jabari's comments may have been aimed at. For me, though, all of this feels like we've talked about the books trying to establish an identity in the organization looking to do that. I think they've they've set their mind on that and it's they want people who are going to work hard. And the reason I say that, it's not just because of what they've done in the draft tonight. That, that plays into it. Once again, there's sort of a consistency in a lot of what's said by multiple members of the organization. And considering 
the general confusion and chaos we've had around who does what, who makes what decision. I don't know if you saw, Rod Torn resurfaced at a workout last week as well. <laughs> he was at the groundbreaking, at the groundbreaking th- uh, uh, or blow, blow, block party. Blow. And I was going to say, oh, look who rose from the dead, Rod Thorne. <laughs> <laughs> That might not be the best expression to use. Yeah, that was case. a terrible expression. Um, the the thing, the thing that I was getting at was, Kid in his press conference again today, he was asked about Yanis playing at the Olympics, and his response for that was, he's worked really hard so far this summer, he's ready to play. And it was nearly, it was nearly a suggestion that it was a reward because he's already put the work in, and a lot of the reports that came out when there was uncertainty over whether he'd play suggested the books were worried that he wasn't going to have the time to work on his new role as point guard to continue building and improving. So when I heard kids say that, that sort of struck me. And then you're right, Jabari has called for that. Then Maker, like in Maker's case, it always came down to, for him, the workouts. That's what everyone said. When he put his name in for the draft, it was like, this is no guarantee. Forget what the YouTube videos say. Forget what they show. He's nowhere near that level. Mm. Your eyes are deceiving you. If he wants to earn himself a good landing spot in the NBA, he's going to have to prove it in workouts. And that's one thing to have to go and do that to earn your earn your, your new profession, I guess, to earn your, your spot where you're going to play basketball for the next few years. But to have the dedication that when you're there in that situation, for example, that you finish the workout and you go, you know what, I'm going to go again. I'm going to work out again for myself. Like, that's, it's, it's easy to put that down and go, wow, this guy works really hard. But part of that is just super clever as well. You, like, you know if you're going out for a second workout, they're going to notice that. If everyone else is packing their bags and going home and you're like, I want to go out and work again, the organization are going to notice that as well. It just shows what it does. It definitely shows the work ethic, but it shows an intelligence. He had a job to do, and the odds were stacked against him, but his ultimate goal was whatever, to get drafted. I don't know if even he believed he'd go top 10. We talked about this, Jordan, on Tuesday's winning six, and we both talked about the suspicious nature of him coming to the NBA because I believe I said what does he have to hide that's exactly Jordan stared stared down the camera at me and said what does he have to hide but the point the point that I made was this made no sense because if he was going to be a second rounder even financial reasons wouldn't have paid off he'd been better waiting and proving himself as a first rounder and here we are he's the 10th overall pick but it just yeah, shows I mean, he's a guy who, when he sets himself a goal, he can focus on it and he can go and achieve it. That's something as well. If they're looking to build a culture of work and sort of dedication, he could be someone who helps set an example, even if his game isn't at that level on the court yet. Yeah, I mean, you don't go from Sudan to Australia to Canada to the Milwaukee, I guess, now, you know, with... Pretty, I'm going to say not much along the way outside of just what you have to offer as a person, in this case a basketball player, without being some kind of driven. Like It's a phenomenal journey. I mean, it's going to be talked about a lot, and Bucks fans are going to get to the point after a while where they're just sort of nod along, like, yeah, we've heard this before. 
but it really is a phenomenal journey he's been on to get here. It shows a lot. I mean, it's it's perseverance. It has to be. Mm. And that in itself is, it's, it shows the character of him. His basketball skills may be something else, but in a way, he's already had the win. He's made it to this point. He's now a professional basketball player. He's not just a first-round draft pick. He's a top-ten pick. And you can only commend them for that. It, it genuinely could be a horrible mistake on the book's part. If he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out, and the books will have to live to regret that. But there are reasons, and they're all character-based for me, why you can like it. If we're talking about skill, there were better options. But that's done now. Before we move on to maybe some of those other options, the whole reach, I guess, the whole problem with them taking him at 10th overall. There are rumors that he would have gone at 20 to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, there was even suggestions he might have gone higher, anywhere in the sort of 14 to 16 range. With all of that, I don't know. There were so many rumors that were proven so wide of the mark, you really don't know. But I've seen a few people, and some people say to me on Twitter, that saying they should have traded down is ridiculous because maybe they couldn't. Maybe they tried and they just couldn't. And under normal circumstances, that would be okay. Maybe that's true. But we know for a fact that that's false on this occasion. The Kings got the Hornets pick that they just wanted to basically offload. They got that for Marco Bellinelli. You're, like you can't oh. tell me, you can't tell me that the the books didn't have something to just dump in Charlotte's lap, take the pick, and move on. So mm -hmm. the option was certainly there to trade to twenty two. Whether that was too late, who knows. I think what John Hammond alluded to was, well, they weren't going to take any risks. It was sort of like, better safe than sorry, let's take him at 10. He's the guy we wanted anyway. Does that, is it easy for you to accept that and just say, okay, he's the guy they wanted, they got him? Or does it sort of rankle a little bit that maybe they should have taken a risk that he'd be there at 22? They could easily have moved back a couple of spots for 10 just for, for very little, pick someone else up. I mean, it would have been nice, but I just feel like if they like him half as much as they say they do, I don't know if it's worth the risk. I mean, I would have liked to see him pick up 22 regardless and like use it. I mean, I thought for how easily Charlotte gave it away, it really made the... Uh, the, the Hornets look kind of bad in that, like, um, what's it called? The Pacers got Thad Young for 20. Yeah. And the Hornets got Marco Bellinelli, whose three-point percentage dropped a solid 10 points from his last Spurs season to his first King season. They got him for 22. Not a good look for the Hornets there. Um, I wrote about they were trying they, – they said they were trying to do a salary dump, and instead they took on salary. Mm-hmm. Like, the Hornets had one of the weirdest drafts to me because before, I think it was Woj came out and was like, they, they will trade 22, but you have to take either Spencer Hawes or Jeremy Lamb away. 
and instead they took on a player arguably worse than either of them, getting paid about as much as both of them. Very odd decision. I would have liked to see the Bucks snag that pick for one of their role players, which I guess most of them aren't under contract right now. But anyway, um, I, I can see why they didn't want to trade down, though. I mean, I talked about it a little bit at, at the, the earlier point in this podcast, is that the Suns probably weren't going to trade any of their picks because they were using them. And if you go, like, 22, I don't know if he makes it to 22. I don't know if he makes it past Brooklyn at 20. Or even earlier, like, it's hard to tell. Like I said, I mean, every team walks away acting like everything went to plan. But how effed up this draft was by, like, the fourth pick, like, nobody did. Like, I'm sure almost no one's draft outside of Philly who walked away with an amazing draft. But aside from the 76ers, Everyone was improvising heavy and just acting like they weren't. And the Lakers, too. They had the easiest part. I'd like, like, to, I'd like to add in there that the Hawks absolutely killed this draft. They did, but, I mean, even the Hawks, though, like, they, like when their picks are that late, like, you can't know exactly who to expect. Oh, like, I they know. did. I think they had a really good draft. But, I mean, just given how wild this draft was, I can see why they didn't want to trade down, especially if they did test the market, which it sounds like they at least looked into it and they didn't get any great offers. I, I can see why they didn't take the risk. I Like I said before the we started recording, Adam said I was, quote, mad for saying it. I'm more disappointed in selling 38 for cash than I was in them taking Thon at 10. Yeah, I, I mean, it's all tricky. Like I said, it's just it's a matter of who is willing to to deal their pick and what what do the Bucks have to give up? They clear. I mean, this week we saw a lot of emphatic uh, comments from Hammond, and I think I could be wrong, but I think he was a part of that too. Just talking about how they, you know, we value our, our players on this roster very highly, and obviously, with the ports you're seeing, other teams do too. But they weren't going to, like we said before, they weren't going to dish any of their, you know, key P parts, they're going to maybe part with some of the players that arguably don't have a future with the team more than, you know, past this coming season or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. It, just, it would have been a tough – I think it would have been tough for them to find something. And they obviously, by what they did with the 38th pick, they weren't going to use all their picks. Maybe they would have, you know, bundled – both uh, their second rounders to give in the first round again. I don't know, but I think it would have been a little tricky to try to go a little bit down if they were so dead on or you know really wanted to get thought. I mean, t- 38 doesn't bother me in terms of not being the book's pick because we sort of knew that was coming. Yeah. Maybe when it looked like there was going to be an incredible amount of talent still there. I mean, some of it came off the board at the beginning of the second round, but maybe it there was a chance that they would have rethought that, strat- that strategy. But, you know, it, it is what it is. The issue I have with it is more... It's more the selling it for cash considerations. Like, yeah, at least get something say for that, it. The, the Knicks... I, I don't actually know that the Knicks managed to get into the second round the end, but they were seeing they, they were desperate to, to get a second rounder, reportedly. So do you know you know who did get a second rounder? Where what pick was it? Let me find it. I know the Lakers got in, and I want to say it was 
The Nets got another. Brooklyn got in too. Yeah. Brooklyn got in, but I think the Lakers got one, and they paid like. Two point four million for a pick later than the Bucks one, which is well, the I mean, same the as the Bucks point, got from the Warriors. Two point eight million, I thought the Bucks got. Oh, was it two point eight? I mean, we're talking. The relevance of this is not very significant. One of the deals was Jordan it? did a did a trade piece uh, on potential second round trades, and is I only mentioned the Knicks because Kylo Quinn for second round, or why don't you make that phone call? I mean, if if that's not your starting center, if you don't have that confidence, he's at least your backup, and you know he's on a great deal, really cheap, and you just get something for the second rounder. I don't, I'm not a fan of the whole cash considerations. Maybe that's just because it's not, not really in our interest. We don't benefit from the books taking in the 2.8 million in that case. But I, now that you mentioned this is a little off topic, but how do they? <laughs> Never mind. I was it was gonna be stupid. I was just gonna say, did they just send a truck full of money to Milwaukee and just say, here's your cash considerations? Yeah, I like that they call it cash. Did you yeah. know a second player from China got drafted this year? Wang, what? Uh, uh, what's his name? It's like Wang Wen Zelen. Zelen. It's got to be pretty rare for two Chinese guys. When we're talking about all this, uh, I guess it shows that well, the books are never going to use the other second rounder because they're not getting involved in any of this either. Seemingly, they loved Gary Payton too. He went like undrafted. Went undrafted. He signed a three-year deal with the Rockets. Already? Yeah. Uh, Wait, who? Gary Payton, Gary Payton too. Three-year oh, deal with the Rockets. Damn it. Um, Robert Carter has signed with the Warriors. No. Uh, Ron Baker worked out twice for the Bucks. The Knicks have already signed him. So there's Um, like uh, Sheldon McClellan went somewhere as well. He's in. He's in the Wizards. Like that's another guy the Bucks worked out. So there's quite a lot of guys who like are being snapped up that went on draft, and the Bucks just. I mean, that's that's a start for someone you sort of like, which Gary Payton, too, would have seemed an obvious one. Robert uh, Carter, man. Robert Carter's good. Uh, but the books let all that go, so... It is um, what it is. In terms of, let's let's get to... Is there anyone you regret right now than passing over for Tom? Having yeah, seen what we did, is there anyone that right now... We, we regret seeing the Passover. I, I, I'm not going to say we, because I don't think either of you two do, but for me, it's still Denzel Valentine. Like, I don't, maybe I'm way too high on him. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. But, like, the talent he's shown, I think he was unquestionably the best player in the NCAA last year. Sorry, buddy. He was better. Uh, he just didn't have the tournament theatrics because Michigan State happened to get bounced in the first round. I mean, if they had went to the title game instead of the Sooners... I think you would have seen uh, Valentine go closer to 6 than 14. Uh, I just think he's going to be phenomenal. He does too many things well. I mean, he doesn't. He gets weird comparisons, like he's going to be the next Draymond Green. Um, I, I talked about Draymond in my Valentine prospect watch, but just in the fact that like they're both players from Michigan State who don't have a set position, but they're good at a lot of things. I, I just think he's too good at too many different important things for him to not be successful at the next level. Um, 
I mean, this comes as no surprise. I wasn't really married to anyone. I was more just, I would have accepted many options. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just how I live my life, I guess. Uh, I, I was, I would have came to grips with uh, pretty much anyone except, uh, well, I had to include Thon because I, I did overreact. Or possibly react. Time will tell. And uh, Dejounte Murray, I just I. Ugh. Yeah, I was not a fan. He's a spur now. We know how yeah. that sometimes ends. We'll see. But for me, yeah, it's it's way Baldwin just because, as I've said on multiple podcasts before, as I've written in lots of different articles, another guy who just seems perfect for everything in the books wanted from the point guard. I'm not sure if they get someone who fits quite as well as he does, but they've chosen a different route. It was sort of funny just to see the Grizzlies end up with Baldwin and Davis, considering they would have been the top two guys at the books board for a lot of people. And mm. all these picks later, that's how it ends up. But I guess this is how the draft works, and particularly this draft, which was completely insane. Like it's it's funny to note because we talk about we don't know where Maker would have gone, but the teams who won the draft tonight, they were the teams who didn't make the crazy decisions. It was as simple as they did the things you would have expected them to do. It's like it wasn't as if there was such a shake up early on. Like before Maker, everything was pretty much going according to plan. It wasn't like that's what threw everything out. It was just the team started. Once the books picked Maker, I don't know, did that make everyone else go, okay, this draft class is terrible. Let's all just swing for the fences. Well, it was like, was it like minutes later the Abaka trade went through? Oh, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, like, even, I would even throw in, like, the, or Chris being traded to Phoenix. Like, that was, like, the precursor. What, what, is What's, what are the Magic going to do now? I'm sort of... They're so bad, uh, no, I mean, like... Iba like no, I'm sorry, they're, they're stupid. They're no, super but, dumb. No, uh, but, I mean, when... Okay, remember, Frank Vogel's the coach, so they're automatically going to be better. But now they're, they're front court, you've got Ibaka and Vucevic. That's a great front court. But you've got Aaron Gordon there, so I don't know what becomes of Aaron Gordon. Three. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, what's Most that guy's five. name? What's that? What was that coach's name? Rambus. Okay, Kurt Rambus. Try to do that to Porzingis. <laughs> He's not a three. Like it's 2016. Like maybe he was a three in 1986. I mean, I Porzingis, can three. Porzingis can shoot, so that even helps his cause a little more than Aaron well, Gordon. Luckily, then, though, don't have, have, have to worry about this for a year because Baca is going to leave after who, a year. Who plays at the two? Who plays in the backcourt? Super Mario, the yeah, most I mean, unproven pick from last draft. They're all in on the like. Uh, I feel Oladipo was their best player. Well, now they can re-sign Fournier for way too much money. Oh yeah, that's their shooting guard. You're right. That's what's happening. But they they have to pay him now. Yeah, well they've chosen to do that by getting rid of Oladipo. They avoided having to do that with him. So that was a terrible avoidance of a thing to do. And now it means two years from now the Thunder won't be able to pay all the depot and they'll trade him somewhere and we all know how that works out. Maybe. Let's I mean, move they, on. They, they Let's can, move on. That was a horrible trade for the Magic. 
We'll talk about Delavadova and kids' press conference, some of that stuff. We'll talk about that on next week's podcast. Yeah. Um, we we might. I haven't spoken about this with either of you, but I have a feeling we might try to do two again next week, our regular one, and then maybe one closer to the start of free agency um, around this time next week. We'll see how that goes, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that stuff and whatever else is going to come out in regards to the books in the next few days. Let's finish by turning to the mailbag. A lot of these questions came in just after the pick, so we've answered them pretty quickly, <laughs> but they're a little reactionary. Um, the first and the second one I'll bundle together because they're the same thing. Um, first one from uh, Breck Pac-Man. Is Monroe out? The next one from at Taylor Desh. Is Greg Monroe on his way out? Is Greg is Monroe on his way out? Is this shirt taped? Uh, I, I don't. I don't care what. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I don't care what John Hammond says. He's he's out. He's for sure out. I mean, I just don't think that they would want to keep him at this point and have another center when they've already said they want to re-sign Miles Plumley. And I, every time I think about Greg Monroe, the first thing that comes to my mind is this dude was the biggest free agency signing the Bucks ever had, and they didn't give him an exit interview. What are, what like, are they getting now, though, when there's no draft picks going to be involved? Like, are they trading Greg Monroe for future draft picks? I don't know what they're going to trade him for. I mean, maybe, yeah. Maybe guys who just got drafted, which seems unlikely, but maybe. Um... Like, none of these trades have actually happened yet, except for the Thunder one, because they can't for salary reasons, which is a little weird quirk. So, I mean, he could still get traded for a, a just-drafted player, future picks, maybe. Um, I, I'm not really sure on who, but I know what desperate organization wasn't able to squeeze off a single draft day trade. Well, they got one. They traded two picks for a future pick. But outside of that, they had, they're sitting around with six draft picks. I'm talking about the Boston Celtics who really wants someone. Hey, Boston, we've got someone. I, I, I honestly think the the team that it's shaping up to be, and I think they're the best fit for them, and it's the Hornets, because uh, the Hornets got sort of torn apart for what they did tonight, and it wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad as everyone said, if their plan goes as they hope it will. But there's no reason to believe it will. They basically, they just threw away that pick tonight, banking on, like, Courtney Lee and Nick Batum all re-signing in Charlotte. And if those guys all decide to go elsewhere, the Hornets will have basically 12 empty slots on their roster or something pretty close to that. A ton of money and... At least they'll have Marco Bellinelli. <laughs> yeah, they'll have Kemba and Marco Bellinelli. Oh. And, uh, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. If, if he's ever healthy. Yeah. So they're the team that I sort of feel like if it's going to happen, but that's a bit out. That's like after free agency and it's pushing on. Uh, the fact that it didn't happen tonight or in the lead-up to it makes it a much tougher thing to make work, I think. It's not going to be as easy, whatever the books were holding well, out for. I don't, I don't know, because like we know they didn't really want picks anyway. So the only real scenario is if they were going to move up. Yeah. And I, I don't know how interested they really were in moving up. 
Like uh, they never Hammond worked spoke out. About, Hammond spoke about moving up more than moving down. Uh, he did, but so there maybe there was a chance that we could have been looking at like taking Ton Maker at five at one point. Not without yeah before not without the fifth pick ended up tonight. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Not without my maker. Meet him. The next question from at Metastic. How old is Tom Maker? <laughs> he's 19. He's 19. Do you know where the thing that he's not 19 came from? Yes. Somebody posted a picture of a girl in a yearbook next to him and posted proof that that girl is now 23. Yeah. Like, all right, first off, maybe they weren't the same age when they were in the yearbook together. Like, some schools do it that way where it's just purely alphabetical. Second off, maybe it's not the same girl. Third off, like, why would this random, I think it was probably like a Redditor. I think it was a Redditor. Why would this random guy it was the be able to find this out? The why would they be able to find this out? But, like, private investigators and crap hired by NBA teams, like, oh, we missed that one. Like, no, shut up. He's 19 years old. I've heard Sam Vicini and Jonathan Givoni both say, that, yeah, when they saw him last, he looked like he was, whatever, 15 or 16, however many years ago it was, and that now he looks 19. Like, he doesn't he doesn't he look like he went from young. 19 to 23. Yeah, he does. He doesn't look like Serge Ibaka, who's clearly older than he says he is. Not really. That's the <laughs> thing, too. He looks if there's a candidate young. for that, it's Serge. He Go on. He looks on. super young. He sounds super young. Plus, Hammond says they've been tracking him for two years. So if anyone was going to know, I'm going to guess it's the books, if they were following like this 16 or 17-year-old guy who was having to shave three times a day, I think the books might have known something was up. So I feel confident yeah. that Tom Maker is 19. I think in a well, he is question, sponsored by Gillette. In a follow-up question that I didn't include, I think at Metastic asked... What happens when we find out that he's actually 24? I I don't know. He's, he becomes he becomes a veteran. That's Jason Kidd makes jokes about. We've got a veteran basketball player. Yeah. You know what the craziest part is is that according to the rumor that he's older, like he didn't falsify his age in Sudan. He changed it's it in Australia. And then went to Canada. And it's like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, if it would have happened, I'm pretty sure it would have happened in Sudan, not Australia. Like, I, it's it's stupid. Like, I don't think it happened at all. I think it's dumb. He, he's not pulling a Greg Oden. Greg Oden was at least 46 when he got drafted. He's okay. not pulling a Greg Oden. The next question from at Josie's. Longer reach. LeBron's Game 7 block or book picking maker? Uh, Bucks picking maker, I'll say. I, I, that was a pretty long reach LeBron had. We'd have to get like the ESPN yeah, science guy. He would have he would have had to reach from across the basketball court. To he would have had to do screen. Michael Jordan in Space Jam for a block. Yeah, Why? yeah. We have to stop referencing Space Jam so much. That's like said, a third. Said no one ever. Yeah, it just happens. Come on. Next one from Alex underscore Koenig zero two three. Where does Tom Maker fit? Nobody knows. Long term, long term. What's your what's your good instinct? Mine is he's the center. I yeah, think the I, team I eventually is the center. 
I want him to be a center. It yeah. makes it makes sense. Like that lineup, if everyone comes to their potential, Giannis, Jabari, and him at center, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. You I, I think I think you you would hope he's like a I'll bring this mention up or this name back up again, but maybe he can fill like a Serge Ibaka type role when it's all said and done. That's a lot to ask for of him right now. Uh, I don't want. I'm not saying that's day one, but I'm just saying if everything goes right with him and development, all that stuff, I, I can see him, you know, carving out a role like that. Funny that you mentioned Serge Ibaka. The next one comes from a pencil two two nine two. Would you have traded for Ibaka? No, I mean he's expiring. He doesn't fit the timeline. He's gonna be gone in a year. Like I don't think he's staying in Orlando after next year. I mean maybe they're gonna pay him a crap load of money to stay there. Maybe they'll just decide to do that. But it's like he's gonna want so much money after this next season because the cap's gonna be crazy again. Like that's really why I don't like that deal. Like if if Abaka had three years left on his contract, all right, fine. I see what you're doing, Orlando. It's still stupid. It's been stupid since the Tobias Harris trade, or maybe even before then. But you're trying to win now, whatever. But it's literally a one-year rental. I'm it's just thinking, like, that, that trade, the Tobias Harris, they, they did all of that, and they cleared all that space. And even up to two days ago, the reports were that all of that was because Al Horford was their top target. So mm-hmm. why have they got Serge Ibaka? What, what are they planning? What is the end goal out of any of this? It's insane. That, no one knows. They have a lot to hide. They have more to hide than Thon Maker. I feel like he's transparent compared to them. That's debatable. We don't know that yet. We still don't know. We will find out exactly what Thon Baker has or hasn't got to hide. (laughs) The next one from uh, Alex underscore Koenig 023. Was the Thon Maker pick a clever ruse to get Delhi to come to Milwaukee? It worked if it was... The oh, boss retweeted Delhi today. Is that tampering? I feel no, like that's tampering. No, because he, he was congratulating one of their players. I think that's fine. Someone let Kiki Vanderway know that something's going <laughs> on. Drop him a line. Yeah, what, it worked. Wait, what, it don't, don't flick that in the books. We don't need that. Uh, I don't think I don't think the turning point in this like fantasy tampering investigation. I think I think is, I think retweeting Delavadova is the least of their worries, considering some other <laughs> questionable lines crossed that the Bucks have been a part of the last few years. That's all I'll say at this point. <laughs> okay. I don't uh, even know. I don't know either, but that was ominous. I kind of had, <laughs> Is, is Tom Maker the most books pick ever? It is another one from Alex Koenig. Yeah, it's up there. No, that's you. That's you, Jenny. Oh, come on, this is, this is, I don't want to say it because it will spook everyone, but this is like from the same bloodline. This pick is is a direct descendant of Yi. Yeah, but Yi may have known that he didn't want to come here. And we still. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, that, that that's, made, that's the definition of the most books pick ever. That's super yeah. bucks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever you do, don't draft me because I'm not going to be happy. And with the first pick in the, <laughs> what was it, 2008? No. Six? Seven. Seven. With the first pick in the 2007 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select Yi Jin Lan. Oh, man. 
We gotta find that footage. He must have looked like Joel Embiid right after the uh, Sixers. <laughs> what age was he? Forty-two. Forty-three. Next one from uh, Chakby Snacking. <laughs> Do you think Don can play like Plumley worst case and catch lobs and be an athletic force at the five? I mean, yeah, I think that's a pretty solid worst case for him. I mean, he might not be as good as Plumley. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess. I would, I mean, I would say I think he could fill that role right away. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a fluid mover, so, I mean, he yeah, should he's, be able he's to quick. He's just quick. throw the ball up to him and let him put his hand on it, basically. Hashtag fluid mover. <laughs> the, thing that, the thing that really excites me about Thon isn't even his shooting. It's that he can dribble really well. Like, that goes with that fluid mover. That's why I struggle to have real good center comparisons for him. Like, the closest mm-hmm. I come is, like, a way taller Draymond Green, best case. I don't think he'll ever – he might not ever pass that well as Draymond, who led the Warriors in assists, even though they had an MVP point guard. But um, just the way he dribbles um, and I mean, Draymond's length, obviously, Thon's very long, and his defense, hopefully it gets there. I don't know if it ever gets to that level. Draymond's an exceptional player. But, like, it's really hard for me to find a real center to compare him to because not really any of them dribble that well. Maybe Horford? I I just find it so uncomfortable talking about his basketball skills. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly I don't feel like we can talk about his dribbling. We haven't seen him dribble against real people. It's like he's I dribbling mean, around traffic cones. I mean, barrage. Yeah, I mean, I just I mean he can dribble like summer. Summer put... league's gonna be a lot of fun because it is. That, I mean, that will like... actually be a step up in competition for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like if I mean, you put some of these honest, centers, that's the real season. Yeah, that is. Um, not at all. Um, but like DeAndre <laughs> Jordan, like can't even shoot unguarded from whatever, like twelve feet away. Like he, like some centers can't even dribble an open floor. Like he can at least dribble if there's traffic cones around him. Like that's more than a lot of NBA centers. By the way, book summer league team now with. You've got to guess Vaughn, probably Inglis. Brogdon a maker, Terran Petaway, Ronald Roberts. Are we finally going to get the, get the championship Milwaukee's been craving? Championship it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, those Warriors. Oh, I mean, I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. I think that we're going to the title game, and we're going to win. I mean, uh, should, I, should I book like flights over for the parade? Yes. that's. I mean, Mayor, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett was talking about a parade on Father's Day. I mean, it would just be a month later. <laughs> Some of is ours. That title. The not last one, question. not two. Sorry. But there, but there might be three summer leagues. You're right. <laughs> they could do all three in the one year. How would that be? Um, Boston has one. enough picks to play all three. They could probably <laughs> fill teams in all of them. Next one from a Shaq B. Snacking, the last one. If you're going to reach for Tom... Should you have just reached for Scal instead? Is Ton even better than him? More upside. I'll go first in this. I hate Scalabissier's game. I there's not one thing I like about it. I think he's a terrible player who's going to be a horrendous bust. So uh, there's things for me to get a little bit excited about with Ton Maker. A little bit. I'm still very much just. I'm embracing Ton Maker the character rather than Ton Maker the player. Hashtag <laughs> Ton Maker the character. He's got a Embiid-esque character. I don't, that's uh, that's a little too far, and I think 
it's a relief that he hasn't quite got the Embiid S character. As fun as that is when he's not on your team. Yeah. That's a guy whose tweets do end up being tampering. <laughs> that's it. That's our special edition bonus if Jordan wants to bonus draft night podcast. Uh we will be back as usual on Tuesday. Myself and Jordan, I'm guessing. Only special special occasions, bonus occasions that get us the bonus guest. Um, but we'll be back. We'll run through a lot of this stuff probably in greater detail. Some of the other key storylines and we'll start to look ahead to free agency. Thanks very much for listening, for following all of our work on site and everything we've done on social media. Busy few days with more to come. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, add us on Stitcher, and we'll be back next week. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Thank you.